The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Good morning, good afternoon. This is the Deadline Report with Ben Vigin. Depending on whether you're listening to us live, Kura Fresh FM, the coolest little radio station in the South Island, or you're listening to our podcast where the Deadline Report is amongst the top five shows that are listened to on Fresh FM all across the uh, Tasman Bay region. Today's show is going to be relatively eclectic. We're going to cover a whole bunch of different topics and some of the guests, and I'm going to give a bit of a preview on some of the guests that we've got coming up ahead of us. Uh, next week, we will have Richard Tipper. Richard Tippett is a, you know, he's a, he's a guy that he, he, he's a homegrown man. He's a, he's an organic garden gardener. He spent a lot of time reading up on the climate change and. What I'm doing with Richard is we're broadening the conversation. And I think, like a lot of topics that have happened at the moment, there is a tendency to polarise everything. Everything must be either yes or no. Now, when we look at the issue of climate change, the traditional argument is it's people argue that it's happening or it's not happening. I'm more on the line of the person, of someone who sees that I believe that climate change is taking place. I, however, have lots of questions about the way that we're responding to it because I feel that largely the climate change response is is, lar- is, is effectively it's doomed because it's been hijacked by the junkies in charge of the, of the uh, medicine cabinet. So, for example, this morning I was talking to my uh, neighbour who is also an organic gardener, Leslie, and we were talking about the whole issue about climate change. And, you know, he was pointing out that the last COP29, that, you know, most of the funding and and, uh, um, people organising the events actually were largely drawn from the fossil industry. So that's the classic example where we turn around, we see we start to see the massaging of the whole climate change is being moved towards a uh, direction where largely those who are actually creating the mess are not actually paying for it. And we're dealing with a lot of the core issues where, you know, it's even another example I'll give you today was, well, yesterday was that I went to go to look for a cable for my phone so that I could download data from my phone onto my computer. And we got into the whole issue of, of the, um, the tech general was talking, saying that basically he's never seen universal cables or, or for his 30 years of working in the industry, it just hasn't happened. And you still think, well... If I are turning around and they're making so many cables that they actually we have to keep dumping them every year in the, in the in the rubbish pits because they've changed the cables and things are not compatible and that's just a waste of resources. So these are the sort of things where we sort of you know I'll be talking to Richard and saying well like well you know why is it when we're on one level we've been told that this is a, a you know a climate emergency and yet when we go looking at the situation so many of the people that are actually telling us you know what we must give up and do are actually. Well, you know, effectively fly to Davos and, and lead jets and eating $45 hot dogs while they stay in 10,000 hotels. And it comes across very much like do as we say, not as we do. So I'll be talking to Richard from that viewpoint of not, we're not, this is not a we're against climate change, we're for against climate change, but I just want to explore the different spectrums and, uh, you know, kind of give people a little idea about the fact that we really need to address this issue in terms of it's it's not an issue about whether or not uh, you are a mathematician, you believe all the carbon reports, or you understand all the science. It's about are we doing enough to actually stop the general ecological uh, vandalism on this planet, which reaches across in so many spectrums? You know, for example, right now we have the situation of the war in the Ukraine. It's a hardcore reality. Wars cost a lot of carbon. And yet, when you go looking at the International Planetary Climate Change Report, 
it's not there. So you've got the situation where our world leaders want us to do. It's it's just it's just it's just insanity to expect us to actually say, well, okay, we're going to do all the stuff. We're going to have clean up all the plastic. We're going to drive around in EVs. But meanwhile, you guys carry on a wage your war. We're actually you're just you're spending massive amounts of energies and resources uh, on something which is extremely ecologically destructive. Uh, so you know we'll be talking about those sort of things there as well, with Richard. And then following that, the following week after that, I am talking to. Uh, Michael Field, who's a veteran field reporter and runs his own news service, which we'll be talking a little bit about that, how that came about to be created. We'll be talking about his experience in the Pacific, which he's covered for at least 30 years, if not, if not actually longer. And I, I think Michael Field is a person that, um, you know, if, if you are like to consider yourself up to date on current affairs and you want to know what's going on in the Pacific, uh, Michael Field's probably someone that you should have in your, you know, services that you like and regular report because no one will give you better Pacific Pacific coverage out there at the moment than Michael Field. Uh, when he reports in places like Fiji, Cook Island, Samoa, the list goes on and on places that he's been there, you know, he knows these people, he knows their customs, he knows their cultures, he knows their histories, and he knows it from a 3D and 4D reporting viewpoint. And I always think it's very, very interesting to turn around and look at sort of the, the standard mainstream journalism. And again, when I use that phrase, mainstream journalism, I'm being quite specific. I'm using the terminology that uh, John Pelcher, the late John Pelcher, who we just, again, just done recently done a commemoration show on, outlining his incredible career from the 1960s to effectively last year when he uh, recently passed away and he talks about the corporate media being effectively sorry the, the mainstream media being corporate media and this is media that is not reporting the news in the vested interest of the wider public it's reporting a narrative that is in the interest of one and one only one group of people and that is its shareholders and so again these will be some of the topics that I'll actually be talking about with uh, Richard Tippett today about the whole issue about climate change reporting in terms of we really need to address the issue of we uh, we can't we can't have this delusion where we think we can continue to be a consumer society and we can wander around and we can just have McDonald's and KFC and at the same time think that we can actually stop climate change and of course I picked on things like McDonald's and KFC but that's kind of not really fair because again the whole issue we've got to look at is the a lot of the issues that we look at kind of address things like climate change, they are drawn up from the economics of Thomas Malthusian, or Malthusian economics, which largely kind of runs the numbers on the idea that uh, the, there are too many people on the planet and they are outbreeding at such a point that the, the rate of, of, of population growth is outstripping the available resources. When, when, when reality is that what, you know, what we're becoming increasingly aware of is it's, it's not the issue of population, but it's about the issue of having billionaires that will talk to you about how they're going to create all this climate change and do all the sustainability and all oh, going off to Davos, and then they jump in a rocket and they fire themselves off into space just so that they can fill their little fantasy of going into space, which is not actually space, space it's low Earth orbit, but uh, and so, you know, they're not even actually, you know, they're, they're kind of kidding themselves that they're going to space, but there you are. And they go up there and in doing so, they use, in five minutes, more carbon then, you, then the average, then seventy percent of the people on the planet will use in in a lifetime. So you know the issue is really again not about that we've got twenty billion people on the planet or then they're all growing consuming resources. It's it's the issue is about the fact that we've got point one percent of the population 
is now controlling or indirectly in control of over 99% of the resources on this particular planet. So we'll be talking to that. And then we'll also be talking to uh, a, a very good friend of mine, um, Kiss, Kiss Solomon, who is going to come on the show. And I'm just going to give a little bit of a hit. Um, uh, a reservation there because she is going to come on the show and talk about a very difficult topic and you know if she at the last moment decides that it's just, she's not up to it I'm going to be totally understandable but she actually lost her daughter uh, a, a few years back and she's had to go through the the horrific journey of what happens when someone when you actually lose a child and she's in the process of writing a book about that particular process so we'll be talking a little bit about uh, you know her journey and some of the, the things that you um nothing ever makes it better but there are there are techniques that you learn to cope when you're faced with such a tragedy and i think that's a very important show it's i think it's very relate relates to the issue that a lot of us have been going through things very tough at the moment i think we're all a little bit on the on the post-traumatic stress development so whether or not this is you've lost somebody close to or you're just dealing with the general stress and grief perhaps even just the fact that your life has had to change so drastically then i think that'll be a very good show which will help us learn about the grieving process uh, along the way, I'll also be talking to some friends of mine. Uh, we will be talking to them about their growing up in Chile and their experiences of the post-Pinochet Chile and and the modern Chile and where that's actually leading us right now. And of course, right now, we'll also be talking to them about the fires which they have been experiencing in Chile. Now, this is, again, a very interesting topic because we are looking at twofold issue with the whole issues of fires. And somewhere around the planet, there is issue, for example, in Australia, where we see fires have been incurred because the, um, again, one of my the, the, my uh, neighbours this morning was talking about the, we're talking about the increases on temperatures in Australia. And I myself can remember uh, writing a story where we're talking about the hinterland of onto Australia being rising up according to the um, CSIRO, the Australian Scientific Institute research organization saying that they were expecting by now to have temperatures that were on averaging or you know we're getting up into the 50 degrees in the hinterland of australia well we're now seeing that actually happening regularly we're now actually seeing our temperature increases across the border are 1.5 percent averages and they've been forecast as being as much as five degrees in the next future now again uh what you're welcome what you'll often find is you'll have people turn around and they will critique that situation. Oh, yes, but climate change has always been blah, blah, blah. Now, there's, there's multiple factors going on there because one we credit you is that there are many contributing factors to climate change. And I do believe things like your solar minimum uh, and just your general, the, the planets move in a cyclic area, and that all has electromagnetic radiation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. These can all contribute to it. But the issue is that when you actually look at about the human consumption of the carbon, it's the issue about the fact that what we are producing in terms of the time needed to replenish it, that's the issue. It's not that, that, that this hasn't happened before, or there aren't things like volcanoes or dinosaurs farting it's the issue that collectively what we, we our contribution is creating a scenario where that's the issue is that it is, is it's producing at a rate faster than the planet can actually process it so again we'll be talking to richard about that some of the fires which are caused by that but then again some of those fires are also being caused by Number one, the fact that you the the in the situation in Australia, people went up to the government in Australian CSIR and said, look, you know, you're going to have forest fires here, and these are the things that that are going to cause it. And basically, the government sat back and went about 
creating a process where everything you could do to encourage a uh, forest fire to take place went ahead and occurred. And this is even again uh, what we now increasingly understand as, we, as people become more and more aware of, what we've, of the power of geospatial mapping is the issue that we see where we get places like uh, Earth Christchurch earthquakes geospatial mapped by the late Julian Carver and, and his investigation ongoing and a very very suspicious investigation which I will be coming back to later on in the year but he turned around explained a lot of that the geospatial showing the liquid faction and the outcome of that was that it was also allowed town planners to work out how they're going to rebuild the city and you know what they were going to do well what was actually eventually ultimately occurred was that the geospatial technology was ultimately used to put properties in the uh, effectively have the um, owners sell them at a, a small proportion of those prices and then these were later on then bought sold by the government onto developers so the property developers having access to geospatial data have used a naturally occurring disaster and they've used it to their advantage and I suspect what we're finding with the fires in Australia is that is also a phenomenon and it is certainly becoming the case when we look at the slash damage that was caused by events like um, Gabriel and, and again we did geospatial mapping of those areas very extensively for up to 15 to 16 years and the whole point of this geospatial mapping was to tell town developers where they would let people build where they wouldn't let them build, where to put the storm drains, where the flooding was most likely to occur, and yet none of that 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 information, which was all taxpayer funded, was ultimately ever utilised to minimise the damage of, of slash damaging. And it seems to very fact be the situation, same situation where we're looking at the owners of those lands are now looking at having to get a pretty small proportion percentage of that. And the outcome will probably be that will be land will later be sold to developers down the road. And this is something which all around the world people are starting to understand that there is a great land growing going on and that again technology which should be utilising to, to stop climate change is actually being utilised to push people off their land and again we can sort of even extend into this we'll look into, I will probably be doing shows later on the year looking at the whole issue about things like geoengineering because again we have this phenomenon, this this, this polarised thought that's like oh it exists or it doesn't exist oh no that can't, that, can't, that can't cause the weather to change, oh that's all happening naturally occurring climate change, when the reality is what you find is you can have both. You can have climate change and then you can have technology, uh, geoengineering, such as the uh, cloud seeding done by Scenario Hydro um, in Australia. And that particular uh, technology, it actually works in extreme weather conditions a lot better than it does in normal stable conditions so if you know if you have the technology which again when we look at some of the payloads which have been launched from um, places like Rocket Lab and we look at the, just their latest launch in January which was uh, four of a kind they were literally launching technology which was there designed to understand and predict the future so if you know when it's going to happen you can utilise that to your own advantage for the marketplace but you can also utilise that, 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 that intelligence so that you can actually then turn around and effectively uh, deploy specialist technology that will work even better in extreme weather conditions than the normal weather conditions. So, you know, there's there is just as I said, the polarization where think people always get you know trapped in corners. It must be this or it must be that. Whereas I'm going generally when I find I talk to intelligent people, I generally find that there is some merit of worth all that you know. All people have viewpoints, and they normally draw they draw those viewpoints based on the information available to them. And we do have a habit of picking information that can be quite selective. Um, 
but we're also very good at actually, you know, if you sit down and you talk to most people, I find a lot of the time the issue isn't actually that the people are speaking believe necessarily different things, but they're quite often speaking at cross-purposes. And on that little note, let's go with Why Can't We Be Friends, which is just, you know, a general song to kind of cover the whole issue of the fact that um, the world's made up of all kinds of different people. And then we'll take a short break, and you're listening to Ben Virgin on the Deadline Report, Cure of Fresh FM, the coolest little radio station in the great top of the south.
can't we be friends? You're on the, the Deadline Report with the Ben Virgin of Escapes Cure or Fresh FM. Uh, just kind of high capping, high capping, ha ha. Uh, not to be confused with knee capping, the points of the moment we've, we're looking at Richard Tippett talking about climate change, Kez Solomon, we're going to be talking about grief, we've got Michael Fields, we're going to be talking about Pacific current affairs. Uh, we've got coming up after that's that's set in concrete. We've also got shows have which we're working on the process at the moment with uh, talking to friends of ours who are in Chile and we'll be talking to them about their experiences and the fires that are happening in Chile right now. We will be doing shows later on in the year. Also, we'll be talking to Nanga from the Mad Cafe. Uh, I, I, I'm just going to highlight a little bit, a bit about Nanga actually, and that Nanga, I. I, I We've gone through this whole experience of COVID twenty twenty, and people have many, many different experiences and uh, different response. And Nang has chosen to to feel that uh, he's chosen to challenge the establishment. Now, a lot of people have got very hot under the collar, and I decided I've done a couple of shows with Nang, and I'm going to do another one with him because for a couple of reasons. One is I don't think we should get hot under the collar. I think the whole point is that when someone goes and challenges the situ- the any situation via the courts, uh, it's not really up to us to decide whether their interpretation of the law is uh, correct or not. That's the job of the judge in the system. So the fact that he's actually choosing to go for the system, I think is something we should really, really applaud. And I've looked at a lot of media and they've sort of really, you know, I, I think they've done more damage for this idea that oh there's no such thing as sovereignty there's no such thing as common law that is that is to my mind a level of equal willful ignorance um for example if you were to turn around and look at john pilchers looking at his book uh, hidden hidden lands talking about treatment of indigenous people he'll talk about how the common law people of the aborigines was completely outlawed in 1998 legislation so there's a classic example of something where there is actually a thing called common law you'll find reference to common law in your motor vehicles you'll find a reference to common law if you watch black books um you know so the whole idea that actually that doesn't exist actually doesn't really do any good because that's fake that's disinformation as well so i've gone on this platform to turn around and actually you know have a little bit of say about you know what he's trying to do what his response is it's not about about whether he's right or wrong it's about the fact that we should be able to challenge the system i also think the third reason why i'll be talking to nango and why i've decided to have him on this set i believe in many ways his statement should be interpreted as for what it is which he is an artist and he is an artist of of quite intense wit and vision and i think again it's it's very easy to dismiss it oh that's not the, that's not the letter of the law but i think we also need to understand that the law isn't just about the letter of the law it's the issue about does it follow through the spirit of the law and sometimes actually it takes an artist and not necessarily a legal technocrat to kind of draw that to the public's attention that no there actually isn't uh, and i think fourth is the fact that i've you know i'm no stranger to the courtroom proceedings myself uh, i've covered it as a journalist i've covered it from the public gallery viewpoint i have had a lot quite a lot to do with law you know in fact you know i've got several academic citations which acknowledge my um uh, reporting and constitutional issues and quite frankly i quite often see judges and lawyers themselves pulling some very very interesting interpretations of the law and i think in some ways the real the real threat that nanga represents is that he is calling the lawyers out and doing exactly what they're doing and they don't like it 
and the system really doesn't want it to have you to get into your head that you too can go and actually defend yourself and don't need to do eight years in law school. Um, if there is an issue, you know, people say, oh, I've got to chug up the courts. Well, if that's the case, so there's so many people which there aren't uh, challenging the court in that situation that maybe we need to make special interpretation and we need to make some kind of uh, roadwork for how we actually deal with this instead of just saying, no, 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 we're not going to let that happen um, because that's not how democracy actually works. So we'll be talking about anger about these particular issues as well. Um, and I think we're going to have a very interesting year. Later, later in the year, I'm heading off to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, so I'll be talking to different artists and interesting people along the way, looking at not just the arts, but I'm, I'm following very closely the journey of the people that came out of places like Scotland, made their way to the New World. Then they came into Australia. They were involved in the mining industry and the revolutions in places like Ballarat. Uh, and again, it's, it's you know, it, it's we're living in a time where... Individual men uprose against the government in Australia because they believed the government was trying to go with the rights of the swatters, the privileged few that's believed that the only people that should be allowed to do the mining was the rich and the, and the special people. And the, the Ballarat was very much about destroying that notion, saying, no, this is, this is a new world, and that even the little man should have a right to be able to go out there and pan the rivers and get a chance to make a fortune. Well, we're now increasingly in the situation where it seems to me as well that the little man is being told that, no, 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 he's not allowed to go do mining because he'll do too much damage to the environment, while busily we kind of open up our national parks and fairly sort of some very delicate uh, biology to mining companies and so again this is double standards where we seem to have actually sliding down the snakes and ladders to a place where we were right back to the sort of Victoriana period so you know I'll be, I'll be exploring this on this journey which I'm going overseas and we'll be looking at the whole issue of the wild west and the gold industry and we'll also be looking a lot of again about the role of the mining and fossil fuel industry in New Zealand politics. I'll be planning to do a lot of focusing on in the next three years on the Atlas Network. The Atlas Network, the two two very important networks, which we are the alternative media and the mainstream media are both really not wrapping their heads around it. Which is one is the Atlas Network and their extreme lobbying groups have the ability to reach out. Uh, and a huge, vast influence on, over government. And the other one is their close buddies, the uh, com community, the uh, community intelligence network, which is basically all these people that you know, military intelligence, CIA, NSA, ASIO, SIS. And again, these sort of characters that are pop popping up on the peripheral of our, our uh, political landscape, which were very much in areas where they overlap with the Atlas Network. So again, we'll be looking at that. So these are all the shows that you can be looking forward to us playing and coming up with this particular time. And I think we're going to go out with Vada's Soul Mining. This is Ben Virgin on the Deadline Report, care of. Fresh FM, the greatest little station at the top of the south. Have a good weekend. See you next week.
mustard, your instincts, cause they don't tell lies. Something always goes wrong when things are going right. You swallowed your pride to quell the pain inside. Someone captured your heart like a thief in the night. Squeezed all the juice out until it ran dry. podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show first broadcast on fresh fm with support from new zealand on air fresh fm is a community access media station based in Tatoihu, the top of the south island new zealand the funding of access media makes these podcasts possible to find similar programs by other community access media stations go online to accessmedia.nz 
If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.